You know, uh, I have for our listeners, I have many fond memories of when I lived in the UK, and Ak and I uh, were both sysadmins on this shared server. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there'd always be one evening once every two or three years where i'd go to his house we'd drink buckets of tea and we'd as two frightened puppies upgrade debian from one version <laughs> to another <laughs> so and I, i'll always remember the the one that i always remember was the upgrade to sarge the upgrade to sarge when we did the song because because we <laughs> we would sing fear of the sarge <laughs> I have a constant fear that Sarge is always near. <laughs> fear of- <laughs> Welcome, listeners, to... Series 3, episode 18 of Bad Voltage. I'm Stuart Langridge, and with me are Jeremy Garcia and John O'Bacon. No funny name for Jeremy this week, but we'll make it up fine after Christmas. So, how are you chaps? <laughs> this is true. Wow. Uh, largely the same. <laughs> <laughs> this is it's becoming a familiar refrain to the point where even answering the question feels the same as it did before, you know. It, it yes. really does. It's pretty meta at this we're point. No, we're now meta um, the same constantly. <laughs> this this continues to be the shortest and longest year in the the history of humanity, I believe. It is. It is a. It's, it's a weird year. Yeah, I'm just trying to rapidly. I'm taking. I'm trying to take the opposite of oil of ole and rapidly aging, so I can get a freaking <laughs> vaccine shot. Well, I mean, um, I, I I saw things today suggesting that uh, the first cases were detected in Wuhan. Got you all in check in on the eighth of <laughs> December, which is a year ago to the day after we uh, uh, after uh, uh, before we're recording this. So, ah, so wow. it's actually been it's actually been twelve months now, longest twelve months of your life. So are, I, I, I did see that some folks in Britain are, are getting vaccinated. Are you on the short list? Uh, I am not, no. um, <laughs> because I'm not 93 or whatever. <laughs> so far, or a uh, frontline health worker. Or front, of, <laughs> I, I, I don't think frontline health workers are um, right at the top of the list, I don't think. I'm not sure I need to Oh, really? I should check that. Um, but so, <laughs> People so who far, record um, episodes of Bad Voltage also not on that list, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, we don't seem to be um, nationally important for whatever reason. Um, it's which, weird, isn't it? It, 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 it's, it it's escapes me completely. Why? Although we are apparently ultra-crepidarian, uh, which is a... A 19th century word, which was mentioned as the word of the day by Susie Dent on Twitter. Um, and it means a presumptuous critic, one who gives opinions and advice on subjects they know nothing about. <laughs> which was then uh, quoted by uh, Ben Thorpe, ex-friend of the show, saying, sounds a lot like bad voltage. <laughs> so, screw you at Christmas, Ben. <laughs> ex-friend of the show. <laughs> What was that word again? Ultra crepidarian. I think that might be the show title. Absolutely. <laughs> it might be the new name of the show. It might be the new name of the show. We're rebranding. But we're not just we're not just bad about we're bad ultra crepidarians, I think. But that sounds like it's an ultra crepidarian sounds like one of those uh kind of like you know that cryptozoology people who are interested in fake Animals that don't exist, like Bigfoot and the Yeti, and yeah, an ultra crepidarian sounds like some kind of large, large beaver style creature with 
fangs or something. I don't know. I am going to casually to drop this word into conversation, though, for about a week. I'll say that. <laughs> it is. It is. Word, word of You're that. being a little ultra-crepidarious, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it hasn't even got proper etymology. Someone just basically took two Latin words. I just went, okay, we'll just stick I-A-N on the end and pretend it was an English word all along. It's just totally not allowed. Well, you know, at this point, we've been doing bad voltage for so long that I think we've almost cr- crossed the line of uh, of ultra-crepability. <laughs> <laughs> wow, not, not just super-credibility, but ultra-credibility. That's... Let's, right. let's get on all with right, the Crepidicious <laughs> friends. Um, so we are going to talk. Uh, we haven't really done a lot of news recently. Um, we've been talking about other stuff. And so in today's show, it's going to be a bumper show filled with a bumper amount of news. Um, we're going to spend the whole show on it. And it must be noted that next show, we are going to be reviewing our predictions from this year, which historically has gone great. I, so I, I, I concur. Um, I feel the need to... Ul- rem- ultra great. <laughs> it's going to be... I feel the need to remind yeah. you all of the rules, but we will have a little going over of that at the beginning of the next show. And then we'll, and then yes. we will see who won and uh, how badly John O lost. So <laughs> I... I'm not feeling great about this. I know one of my predictions wasn't was not global pandemic. <laughs> so, ah, but you said Facebook Spaces, so you get half a point. <laughs> that is fair enough. All right, do you want to kick us off with some news, Mister Langridge? <laughs> a bunch of these are just completely ridiculous but i think the first thing i would talk about is when we originally put it into the show notes um it was titled mysterious metal monolith discovered in utah but since then the mysterious metal monolith has disappeared from utah and then another one was found in romania and then i started thinking along with half of the rest of the internet this seemed like a really cool sort of um cryptozoology um Uh, mysterious cities and strange powers thing it turns out to be some stupid advertising campaign for somebody i should be really really annoyed and then (laughs) someone is still selling one now so it still could be the case uh well um did you see that jeep um uh, published a mock-up picture with um an electric jeep plugged into the monolith (laughs) it was was quite it it was really (laughs) well photoshopped and i thought are you joking, really? I thought, ah, no, no, this is not actually their thing. They've just done it to capitalise on the moment. So well played. But, I mean, I've heard it suggested it was an art project. And I've even seen someone named uh, as the artist. Um, but, I don't know, what do you think? Um, art project, is the one in Romania actually uh, related? Um, are, is there going to be a third one? Is it an advertising campaign? Is it Canadian club or something? What's going on? So I'm not very superstitious when these things. This thing was put there by a human being. I don't think it was ancient aliens or any of that kind of stuff. <sighs> no one actually. I'm just preemptively aliens. saying you're not allowed to use that as one of your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. But it's, it's clearly it's, some it's kind of fun stuff. To, well, uh, it is fun. It, it, I like it. it. it yeah, it, it, it is. It is fun. It's, it's fun to joke about. No one actually thinks that people from the planet Zanussi put it there as a teleport beacon or anything for God's <laughs> the planet Zanussi a small set of a certain age group are going to laugh at that joke I'm assuming that Zanussi doesn't exist anymore oh, maybe I, it does I don't know I assume not um I think a, a surprisingly large segment of society actually does believe this kind of stuff uh, but I don't know I mean wasn't there a guy years ago I remember reading somewhere some guy was 
um, regularly etching a monolith that he put on some land somewhere just to, just to troll the local community. It's, it's probably something like that. So, so there there's an art collective that is selling quote authentic alien monoliths, uh, and they made three of them, and they already sold out at forty five k a pop. Are these the people who claimed responsibility for it? Um, they they did not that... claim responsibility. Oh, there was. Um... There was a group who did uh, actually claimed that uh, it was them. There's there um there's also half the problem with actually looking into this is every wise guy on earth has got on the bandwagon, right? <laughs> so you've got um uh, one appeared on the Isle of Wight, which for those people not in the UK is a minute island off the south coast <laughs> of the UK, <laughs> um, and is one of the only two or three places in the whole of the UK which are at. Um, tier one for COVID rather than tiers two or three because they're an island and therefore quite good at isolating. Um, yeah, but um, there was one found on there, and then some people claim credit for that. And there's um, uh, there was an art collective in uh, they called the most famous artist, and they've taken credit for the original um, uh, monolith in Utah, and it's. They, they, yeah, they, these are the ones who sold it for forty-five thousand dollars. They're claiming they did the real thing. Oh, the one article I read said that they were claiming that it wasn't them, but maybe that was earlier. Oh, okay, well, this are. is what I mean, right? No, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, advertising campaign, right? This is one of those hard-hitting, rapidly evolving stories. <laughs> It is difficult. Like advertising is becoming so difficult to tell now. Between, like, I'm not sure whether our culture has become so ridiculous, so we can't distinguish advertising anymore. Like, on a related note, and kind of unrelated, did you see that KFC and um, Lifetime, the people who make crap mu- movies, uh, that, with the guy teamed up to make a the bell? Is this right? Real? Yeah, they. They, I th- I'm not sure. I genuinely don't know. They've made a movie called A Recipe for Seduction, which is a 15-minute short film starring Mario Lopez as Colonel Harlan Sanders, the founder of KFC. <clears throat> and they say that it's that the mini-movie is, quote, full of mystery, suspense, deception, and, of course, foul play. <laughs> and it's all no. about the, the fried chicken story. It's like, is this just a shit movie, or is this just advertising? It's difficult to tell. I... Uh, uh, you know when um, uh, when Deadpool first came out, they did a bunch of mock-up posters for it around Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like you say, I now have no idea when stuff like this happens, whether it's real or a joke, or whether it's going to be real, and then when everyone laughs about it, they pretend it was a joke all along. You know? <laughs> it's like being at school again, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, I was just yeah. joking. Um, it's, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, well, you know, I mean, um, a, a, a mini prediction from you, since uh, we'll, we'll know by this time next year and probably this time next week. So, what do you think? Advertising campaign, um, art uh, piece, or aliens from the I planet think it's, I think it's an art thing. Yeah, I think agreed. the first one appeared and then somebody else was like, we should make one as well, and they're going to appear all over the world now. I don't think advertisers are that coordinate. Also, if you're an advertiser, why would you put it up in like the middle of rural Romania? Or indeed rural Utah. Well, I mean, the, Utah, the real place yeah. where this was was the internet, so... Well, That's I, I mean, whoever did it, it has done a miraculous PR job of getting attention on it. 
Uh, well, on the monolith, but not on the brand, whatever well, the brand. Oh, well, yeah, true. But it, I mean, to be honest <laughs> with you, it's going to really cheapen it if Nike come out and go, it was us, by the way. <laughs> you know, ruin, yeah, exactly. Ruins the story entirely. Um, right, anyway, Jono, next piece of news. Yes. So, did you see the immortal news about uh, Johnny Rotten? This is one of my favourite <laughs> things that I've, I've read recently. So, Johnny Rotten, apparently, in his LA mansion, um, decided to take squirrels into his house. He felt a, a certain amount of empathy towards our bushy friends and um, decided to let them into the house. So his his mansion is teeming with squirrels. Are you intentionally saying that like Willy Wonka? <laughs> I'm not intentionally doing anything. Uh, and then uh, apparently these squirrels, unsurprisingly, brought in a bunch of fleas. And one of the fleas bit him on the cock. So that's the that's the new story. Johnny Rotten bitten in the penis <coughs> by a flea because he's letting squirrels into the house. The thing which is most annoying about this, apart from the fact that supposedly the most punk guy on earth lives in Venice Beach. That was the bigger surprise <laughs> to me, honestly, than, than the squirrels and the ticks and that. I just, uh, that's really nice. But um, he's described, even in the uh, even in the article, he's described as the anarchy in the UK hitmaker, which is true, he did do that. I would like to point out he did that the year I was born. <laughs> Nothing and now lives in Venice Beach since. in LA. So yeah, he's now, uh, wh- for, forever he known as since? Johnny Fermented because he's now a hipster and lives in LA. So. <laughs> Johnny he's, Fermented. He cannot claim it's, punk anymore. It's artisanally fermented, I think you'll find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Farm to table. Um, <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it he annoys said me it, that this is news. I mean, it is quite amusing. But it does annoy me that it's news. When he was interviewed about this, he said, I looked down there this morning at my willy, and there is an effing flea bite on it. And there's another one on the inside of my leg. The last night was murder because of it, the itching too. It's such a poxy thing to get caught out on. <laughs> the only way around it, because I'm not going to blame the poor little squirrels, is to vaseline my legs. All right, so Johnny Rotten vaselining his legs up in his mansion in Venice Beach. Yeah, this is this is not what Nevermind the Bollocks <laughs> it comes to the Sex Pistols was planning. So uh, Never meet your heroes. I concur, Jeremy. <laughs> What's next, Jeremy? Seven dead in Russia after drinking hand sanitizer because they had run out of alcohol. Uh, and it, the nine people had consumed the hand sanitizer from a five-liter container of hand sanitizer. A two were in comas, and another seven died. So this is where the pandemic is leaving, folks. You know why, what I find fascinating about this story is... Well, so someone was able to buy hand sanitizer. Yeah, that's also <laughs> the most surprising part of... And five liters. I, it's, you can't I get five ounces here. That's a lot of hand sanitizer. You often hear, like, <clears throat> I think the three of us try to fall into the category of people who do not overtly stereotype people from different countries, right? Um, try to be respectful that there's many different types of people from many different types of countries. Um, but you often hear this meme of just the sheer amount of alcohol that is consumed in Russia. And I'm curious... Like, this is basically saying, like, the Russians were so gagging for a, for a drink that they downed a bunch of hand sanitizer. And I'd be curious to know, to what extent Russians do actually drink that much? I don't know. I just like that they were so all in that they didn't wait to see if the one person got sick or something happened or try a small amount. Just all ten of them, or nine of them, went all in immediately. 
Well, I mean, I, on, on, the, on the one hand, yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, are you surprised? It's not like the game with the gun is called American Roulette, right? It's called Russian Roulette for a reason. <laughs> so... Wow. <laughs> Well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> You've been sitting on that, haven't you? <laughs> well, we we aim we aim to please, Jono. Apparently, I do find this quite amusing that uh, um, some parrots were removed from a UK family safari park after they were teaching each other to swear. And then, not just teaching the swear, but then they were laughing about it. That's the PS resistance to me. It's not that they were swearing parrots, it's that they swore and then laughed at themselves. It's great. (laughs) To to quote the article in the um, Manchester Evening News, um, the park chief said they learned to swear and laugh at each other swearing, leading to something akin to an old working men's club scenario, <laughs> which might which might only be a particularly evocative image to people from the UK, but it's really evocative if you're here. It, it is very, very evocative indeed, yes. <laughs> It said, it said in the article as well, for the last 25 years, we've always taken in parrots that have sometimes had a bit of blue language, and we've got used to this. I didn't realise this was part of parrot, lo- parrot life. <laughs> I, yeah, believe so. Although, um, I, don't think, I don't think you're supposed to get a bunch at once, which I believe was coincidence, but then house them all in the same room. <laughs> yeah. Is, I think yeah, it's problem. kind of like having a bunch of kids going to a cub camp, right? <laughs> I had no idea that thug life and parrot life were, were that close. No, should we um should we move on with um some slightly less light-hearted things? Yeah, let's get let's get miserable. <laughs> <laughs> What's first up? What's first up? What is first up? Um one of the things that we um probably could talk about or should talk about actually is um all the people who will now be um handling all of their work communication and possibly organizing where to go out to restaurants later in the evening when we're allowed to do that and organize where to go to the pub and stay in touch with their mates on a chat app owned by salesforce which oh doesn't really seem like the kind of um hip vibe that you're necessarily aiming for <laughs> what do you think salesforce bought slack for 27.7 billion i'm sure the people at free node are crying their eyes out about where their share of it is <laughs> so <laughs> um i don't know what do you think was this um a good idea bad idea is it gonna help or hurt or does it not make any difference Jeremy, you are I muted. Didn't realize I was muted, but I'm not muted on the recording, so that's going to be super weird. Um, <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could mute you in real life. Actually, not you. The other one. The other one. The one two <laughs> screens above you in this particular Zoom conversation. I wish there was a remote control button to mute him. Anyway, carry on. What do you think, Jeremy? So the the thing that's interesting about this is they started out trying to make an MMO years ago and ended up with Flickr sold Flickr to Yahoo, and then we're like, you know what, we're actually going to build this MMO now. And they ended up making Slack instead. So I assume now they're going to sell it for $27 billion, go back to making the MMO and, and do something else that gets sold for $50 billion. Uh, but no, it, it, is, it is interesting. I think that the way that Benioff pitched this as the new operating system for Slack, I am curious if they will be able to to make that happen. It's pretty clear that he specifically and the company in general wanted some kind of communication platform for a long time. If you remember the money and effort they put into Chatter, they bought a Super Bowl commercial for it. I don't know anyone that uses Chatter. Even heavy Salesforce users do not use Chatter. No. So curious to see, you know, Salesforce has made quite a few acquisitions. They've been a very acquisitive company. And you look at kind of what they did with Heroku, which is basically nothing, just let them do their thing. 
I am curious because they want it to be the operating system if they'll take that Heroku super hands off and that that acquisition was years ago now and it's still run pretty independently or if they'll take a, a little bit more hands on and really try to integrate it but it's if there's a, a company that has a, a lot of selling to enterprises is going through procurement and security and compliance and all those things and Salesforce has basically already done that I think that was yeah. one of the tough thing for Slack is it's not it's a little bit better than Teams for most people, but Microsoft was already there and already through compliance and it was just can I check a box and use Teams for free or go through all that again with Slack? And their billing model also didn't it didn't lend themselves to to certain usage usages. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if within the first year or maybe even 6 months they make Slack completely free and try to make it that operating system and really try to to double down on communication within Salesforce and use it as a driving function for other things, or whether they'll try to monetize the acquisition itself through Slack sales. It, sh- it should be interesting. I know we've talked about somebody like a company acquiring Slack previously on the show, and we've hypothesized of what that might look like, but was this someone's prediction? We'll find out next week. But <laughs> carry on. We did. We did have some. I'm sure. So. I might be you. I can't remember. We'll we'll, 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 we'll find out when we do the. Yeah, because when time. we d- when we did Bad Voltage Live, one of my predictions was about. I think. Um, I think it might be about going public. Was it Uber? Like uh, something like that. I forget what it was. It might but, have like, been your public. Thinking about it. Going public. Thinking about it in retrospect, like since it's happened, I think it makes perfect sense. Like Salesforce are. I think they want to be seen as the the central business logic for companies, large and small. And to a reasonable degree, they've done a pretty good job at that, right? Lots and lots of companies use Salesforce. They've sp- they spanned out into lots of different areas and social media and all kinds of different areas. So I think um, the challenge is that a lot of companies, I think, look at Salesforce as um, a database, as a database of logic. And, I, and it wouldn't surprise me if they want to become more and more in the collaborative tools business, kind of what Google does with G Suite and things like that. And Slack is where so much of the action happens, right? So, and also Slack has got such broad appeal, not just with um, all kinds of different businesses, but also in communities as well. And communities are a big deal at, at Salesforce. Oh, well, you see, this, this is kind of my thought about it. I mean, I don't care about the business thing, whatever. I'm sure it makes perfect sense. Cool. But... Like you say, there are a lot of communities um, using Slack as their thing. And is uh, Slack being owned by Salesforce going to improve that? I mean, yeah, Salesforce are into community stuff, but not that way. Not the local Birmingham tech community. That's not going to benefit at all by Salesforce stuff. And No, but, but I don't the, think, think Slack would care about that either. No, exactly. And we talked about this a bit in the past. when we Last time we did a... Um, uh, but last time we had a decent conversation about Slack, we talked a lot about how Slack don't really care about those people either, but there are a lot of them on the platform. And I wonder yes. whether as Salesforce start to bring in more business-friendly options, brackets, now you have to pay for this, close brackets, um, whether there'll be a sort of a seesaw tipping moment and a bunch of those people move somewhere else. Although I'm not sure whether somewhere else would be. Probably the only game in town for it is Discord. But yeah, I mean, there's Mattermost. Uh, it would be a chance for Mattermost to capitalize and seize that audience. I don't know whether yeah. they'll be able to. I mean, Discord have already got a shed load of people. It was Mattermost in a very good position. Yeah, very good position, right. I mean, <laughs> they must be smiling after that acquisition. 
there's a lot of opportunity for a, for a, for a, for a competition here for them to stand up and do. Are you consumer rather than business? Come to Mattermost, and then really make a play for that kind of audience. I think they should do. But is that very easy to monetize? Like, I don't know that that's the segment that they're after. People went after the business segment because businesses pay for things. Yeah, Who pays yeah, for which, a community which slack? is fine. If if the if the argument is. Um, go after the people who will pay you money all the time, then yeah, no one cares about communities at that point because none of them want to pay anything, which is fine. You know, um, if, if you are in the game of wanting to get lots of people rather than trying to nail down businesses, then this is an opportunity for you. If what you want is paying customers, then yeah, go after businesses. Um, I, 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 I mean, there's... challenge Salesforce. That's a big thing to ask of anyone, but. I mean, there's no doubt to me that obviously, I think we'd all agree that their focus is is businesses. Um, the thing that I find mind blowing about this is 27 billion. Like, is it worth that much? No. Next question. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, the whole kind of heart, it's basically um, posh IRC is an old thing and wrong. And and Slack, and Slack have done and Slack have done a lot of work to to materially improve the experience over the core of what a chat app is, and well done to them. Uh, and so normally I don't like making this kind of ha ha laugh a laugh sort of gag, but then when you've got a thing which is, you know, IRC plus plus and got paid twenty seven point seven billion dollars for it, maybe I'm bit less restrained about having a go at you about it i'm you know i'm kind of in a similar position which is i think slack is really valuable it's very popular a lot of people are using it a lot of businesses are using it i think they've managed to sneak behind the firewall where a lot of other companies haven't because yeah. it's being considered so so important i think it's been good for building culture inside of companies as well i just don't think it's worth that much no. Like just comparing, for example, and they're obviously different things, comparing GitHub at seven and a half billion and Slack at twenty seven billion. Yeah. These two I would consider GitHub to be way more valuable. I mean it's it's a more niche audience, obviously, because it's just developers, but I just think it's I don't I don't understand it. It seems like it seems insane to me. And the fact that Salesforce have got that much money for a single acquisition, it's just it's it's breathtaking. Just how much money is swimming around in this? I mean, is Zoom worth $120 million? Because that's their current market cap, even after being down quite a bit. Yeah, I don't think it is. Uh, I think part of the problem is... But I don't is, know. It, it's not even, is this particular company worth this? That's what the market has decided. Um, but if you look at the world and go, how have we built a world in which companies who do this are worth this? You know, this is... Fall of the Roman Empire stuff, right? <laughs> or possibly the I, late, or possibly the late nineties. <laughs> the difference for me between the late nineties is the companies that are worth a lot now are do add value to the ecosystem. A lot of the companies in the late nineties were just not good. Yeah, they, they're not they're not pets.com. I agree right. with you. Um, it's not at all clear to me that um, Slack adds that much value to the ecosystem, but yeah, they, it's not it's not nothing. So Slack's tough because I think a lot of people are going through a little bit of of I'm in too many Slack mode, 
And if you look at their usage during the pandemic, Zoom and, and all the things of that nature, the usage is way up, you know, and in some yeah. cases, almost exponential growth, but in many cases, multiple order, orders of magnitude at a minimum. So that yeah. use is not yeah. up at all. If anything, it, it seems like it's flattened down, which is odd. Anyone who was in a position to be in Slack is already using it. Companies who weren't in Slack and have started working from home because their people can't come into the office have not transitioned people onto Slack. As far as I, I mean, we talked about um, remote working and how it's a good idea. But as far as I can tell, a lot of companies have started doing remote working, but they haven't really adopted what we three would probably consider remote working practices very much. They're not operating like a remote working business does. They're operating like a, we're all in the office building, just we happen to not be in the office at the moment. And it's when that, that sea change that happens, when you start communicating on Slack to the point where you say, even when we're back in the office, you should still communicate on Slack because then we've got a record of everything. Then you start becoming a remote working business. But, but you don't have point, a record because it ages out of Slack because of their billing model. And it's not good for asynchronous communication, which if you're distributed, also is important. Yeah, but these these are arguments why Slack is really annoying, which is why I don't like it. <laughs> um, but 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 then, then then this becomes the what do we think of Slack segment, which I'm cool with. To be clear, carry on, Jono. I was going to say like th- this. I I wonder to what extent this is brand versus experience, right? Because um, I think if you're a small company. And you have all your team members, like let's say you're a company of 50 to 100 people and everybody uses Slack. Slack is great. It's perfect. You don't have issues with scale. If you're all broadly in the same time zone, then Slack is, it's very easy to to make Slack useful. But I think when you start getting into really big companies, the kind of people that, uh, uh, you know, how, that Salesforce have large scale contracts with, you know, managing thousands of people in Slack um, in a useful way is it's a, that's a full-time job in terms of figuring out policy and structure and moderation and all those elements. And and the one thing I think Slack does a poor job at is it doesn't help you with that. It doesn't show you how to run an effective internal community. And I'm not talking about community as as the three of us will talk about, just helping people to be successful. So I think there is the, – the, and for me personally, the vast majority, like if I look at my Slack right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I've got eleven workspaces, and ninety percent of the time, there's no discussion in all of them. Like there's there's one on one small groups will chat, and like groups of like two to five people, there'll be lots of private conversations. But in terms of general ch- chat channels, it's not very consistent, and I and I worry that. They're going to bake this in, and it's actually going to be really hard for a lot of these businesses to bring it in. So I don't know. Yeah, be interesting to say. I mean, obviously, Salesforce think that capturing the existing Slack market and the potential for um, lots more companies going remote working and deciding to adopt Slack to do that is worth twenty seven point seven billion dollars. Right. So you know, okay, I guess. <laughs> yes, it's your money. I can't stop you. Uh, what's next? <laughs> Uh, I can grab one. Why don't we do uh, CentOS Project Shift's focus to CentOS Stream? This one caught me a little bit by surprise. It looks like 
Uh, it happened like I'll, five minutes ago as well. So. I'll, I'll read a, a little bit of the snippet from the blog post, which we can include in the show notes. The future of the CentOS project is CentOS Stream. And over the next year, we'll be shifting focus from CentOS Linux, the rebuild of Red Hat Enterprise Linux, to CentOS Stream, which tracks just ahead of a current RHEL release. CentOS Linux 8, as a rebuild of RHEL 8, will end at the end of 2021. CentOS Stream continues after that date, serving as the upstream and development branch of Red Hat Enterprise Linux. So... A little surprised that they didn't start this with nine, first of all, because the part of the thing about CentOS was that it tracked RHEL in a way that you had long-term support. So if you already built things on CentOS 8, it, it will probably be a little bit annoying to you. Which you believed was support going to be supported until 2027, I think, and they've just cut it back to 2021. Which is a big difference. So, the, And they do kind of <laughs> parenthetically is. add, meanwhile, we understand many of you are deeply invested in CentOS Linux 7, and we will continue to produce that version through the remainder of its original life cycle. But RHEL, RHEL 7 and, and CentOS 7 have really old glibc. They, they're not something you want to launch on today. No, for no, sure. absolutely not. Okay. So are you so surprised this is, about I, this? Are you surprised they didn't start with 9? Like, curious what you've both worked in the Linux uh, distri- distribution ecosystem for for a, a fair portion uh, of di- very, very different environment though Ubuntu's the Ubuntu promise is was and always has been there's only one Ubuntu there's not this well you've got this one that you have to pay for and this one that you don't have to pay for but maybe we can take it away I wasn't comparing time. Rel and, and, and Ubuntu or Red Hat and Canonical just curious what your take was no no um, the, the, the point is precisely that um, I'd like to say well, I can, the motives for this conversation are this, this, and this, but this, this whole area of conversation just never came up at Canonical. You never talk about it. So, I, well, I don't know. I mean, in terms of support and the differentiation between them, but one thing that constantly came up was the idea of a rolling distro. Yeah. So that's, that's where this, I find this interesting is, uh, is that we're not, that it, from what I understand, uh, and I don't really, I don't really track the CentOS world. Um, it sounds like they're just going to be basically doing an ongoing rolling distro. Well, um, this depends. On right? who, this depends on who you ask, as I understand it. I'm sure that. Um, well, I was going to say Red Hat, but IBM would say, um, no, 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 "No, that's not what it is. Stop saying things like that." But from people <laughs> I've from people I've seen talking about this today, as you know, sysadmins out there on the ground, which to be clear is not that many. This was announced about eight hours ago. So, yes. so, we, we, so, right. so this is pretty hot off the press's stuff. Um, but a whole bunch of people are like, oh, great, CentOS is now Fedora. It's now it's now a rolling release. Rolling release is the last thing I want on my servers. Um, what am I going to do now? Because I don't want this. Um, and I think if they don't want that pitch to get out there into people's heads, they're not going about the marketing of this very well. Because as far as I can tell, everyone I've seen talking about this, who is actually going to affect. It doesn't affect me at all, obviously, but I'm not a sysadmin. If I was, I wouldn't be doing it on Rel, CentOS, whatever. But those people who it is affecting, as far as I can tell, they feel like they've had the rug pulled out from under them. And it's not going to take long for that message to cement as being what this means. And if IBM don't want that, they're going to have to get out ahead of this. On the other hand, if it's if it's this whole CentOS thing, um, you know, uh, we always sort of begrudgingly allowed it. Now we're even more begrudging. <laughs> so if you read how IBM pitched it, at least it, as you said, this is somewhat breaking. So I have not been able to do as yeah. much research as I would like. But they seem to be pitching it as one of the main use cases for RHEL 
is in layered products. So things that ship on top of RHEL. And if you were going to use CentOS as your development platform, it was really difficult to do because it always lagged and it lagged in a way where important as increasingly BPF and other things are super important. The way it was layered, it made it very difficult to use CentOS, which lagged as your development platform targeting RHEL. And this will allow CentOS to be slightly ahead instead of slightly behind so that you can target RHEL developing on CentOS and using CentOS for testing and QA and all those things. So I, I'm curious if, because I believe the two really RHEL rebrands were always Scientific Linux and, and CentOS, and Scientific stopped in lieu of when Red yeah. Hat took over CentOS. So they went from two to one. And now that the one is ending, I'm curious if someone will spin back up what old CentOS was. It just seems weird to take the name. It, they sh- it seems to me Stream should have been something else. Yeah, I mean, that's why CentOS exists, right? Because um, Red Hat were always, well, yeah, you're allowed to do this, but we really don't want you to. And the CentOS people were kind of, but we're doing it because we're allowed. And then Red Hat said, actually, instead of constantly fighting this sort of quiet war of trying to convince people to not use your thing, we'll do it and we'll support it and then everyone won't be pissed off anymore. Um, And that'll be nice. So that was never Um, my take on the CentOS Red Hat relationship. I think there were some people inside of Red Hat that genuinely realized that there is a market of people who will never pay for RHEL, but you still want them using Red Hat. And they are the ones that convinced the company to to support and sponsor CentOS. I don't think it was as contentious of a relationship. uh, Okay, sorry, rephrase that. I I, I think maybe, I don't know whether those people have faded back out of the conversation or whether they've moved on or whether their voice isn't as loud or whatever. But this or feels a IBM's bit like... in the picture and might care less than Red Hat executives well, did. Exactly. But it does feel like... I mean, yes, I will completely buy the... Um, taking over CentOS was a, uh, a well-motivated thing and it was the right thing to do, which it was, you know. But the arguments that persuaded Red Hat to do that rather than take their previous semi-adversarial approach to it... Um, but was it adversarial? <laughs> Red Hat did not say because they could not say don't use CentOS, but they they didn't want you to. But what what makes you say that? Why what what makes you say that they didn't want people to be building CentOS? I haven't seen any evidence of that. Am I am I allowed to go back and look at all the old Lug Radio episodes where where I used to talk about this? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd be curious. I'm not. I'm not challenging you. I just. I genuinely don't know. I just haven't seen any of that. Um, in fact, I've seen the opposite where. There were people inside of Red Hat who were regularly contributing to CentOS, and they didn't really have that big of a deal, uh, have an issue with it. The other thing as well is you said, Ak, this was kind of sprung on people, but f- at least from what I can tell, first of all, they announced CentOS Stream back in September last year. And then secondly, this post from Rich Bowen today about about uh, about this this shifting to CentOS Stream um, they've said that they're going to be maintaining CentOS Linux 8 until the end of tw- 2021. That's just over a year. That, to me, gives people plenty of time to make a change. I mean, they have to announce it at some point if that's the decision that they're making. I I, I don't think I said it was sprung on people. If I did, that's misleading. It was sprung on me. I thought you said I that. Uh, that's, 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 no, it sprung on me, so I don't care. The point is that um, people I've seen talking about this today – don't seem to be saying, oh, here comes that thing we knew about a year ago. Now, whether they all ignored it a year ago or not is another question, <laughs> and entirely possible. Don't get me wrong. 
Well, Richie's right. post also but, includes the, in the first half of 2021, we'll be introducing low or no cost programs for a variety of use cases, including options for open source projects and communities, partner ecosystems, and the expansion of use cases, expansion of use cases for RHEL. So it, it, it sounds like they're going to enable something like the old CentOS to exist. They just haven't done so yet, which seems a bit out of order. It probably would have smoothed the transition. From my point of view, cool. I mean, I'd be interested to hear from people who, frankly, who this actually affects every day, because that's none of us. Um, it just certainly does not affect yeah, me. Yeah, I could say. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a sysadmin, and if I'm, uh, if I'm controlling machines, they're all in EC2, and they're all Ubuntu or Alpine. Um, Jeremy has his finger in an awful lot of pies, and John is a Mac user. So... <laughs> You know, uh, I have for our listeners, I have many fond memories of when I lived in the UK, and Ak and I uh, were both sysadmins on this shared server. <laughs> uh, there'd always be one evening, once every two or three years, where I'd go to his house, we'd drink buckets of tea, and we'd, as two frightened puppies, upgrade Debian from one yeah. version to another. <laughs> so and I- I'll always remember, the, the one that I always remember was the upgrade to Sarge. The upgrade to Sarge when we did the song. Because because we <laughs> we would sing Fear from Iron Maiden. Of the Sarge. Fear of the Sarge. <laughs> I have fear a constant fear the... that Sarge is always near. So I do fear actually of... run a bunch of CentOS images in GCP, so this will eventually affect uh, okay. me. I just... <laughs> ah, there you go. I didn't well, have a, I... a CentOS 9 uh, migration plan yet, so... <laughs> <laughs> Slacker. Shall we talk about Apple? We talked about Apple quite a lot on the last show when we were talking about uh, the Google Pixel 5 and the Apple iPhone 12. Um, But Apple has unveiled the M1, which is their first SoC for Macs. Um, So from what I read about this, it's an 8-core 5 nanometer processor with unified memory architecture. Um, It allows uh, for faster performance on Macs using M1 versus a separate GPU GPU. uh, CPU, GPU, RAM, and other pieces. And then they're claiming um, better power efficiency with higher performance usage uh, with three three times the performance per watt. Um, and then the, their, their system on a chip will also be able to run iPhone and iPad apps on the Mac for the first time, which includes apps like HBO Max and Among Us. So this clearly seems to be about the unification of all their hardware, unification of their app stores, all of that kind of stuff. What do you guys think about this? Uh, this is one of those things where I personally find it a bit hard to care because it's, it's chip. Uh, well, yeah, first of all, yeah, it's chip, whatever, right? I don't get excited about Intel having a nine nanometer fab or whatever i've got no idea whether that number's anything like right or whether even that si unit is right <laughs> um, <it's> just, you-, <laughs> you don't think it's fascinating that apple was able to pass all of the current chip manufacturers like they were not moving at their own game as a, mm. i mean that's um, from from their benchmarks they claim that until you running an intel binary on an m1 as fast or faster than running it on Intel, and everything else is then way faster and uses less power. I, That's pretty impressive. I, I do think it's impressive, but only in a kind of... Well, sorry, from my point of view, it's interest, It's impressive in a kind of intellectual way. Some people who make a thing 
I don't have and will not have can do a thing that other people can't. I mean, great. Well done for those people and their customers. <laughs> it's... <laughs> But as someone who also uses Linux on, on the desktop, so will not be running one of these, do you feel like you're being left behind because you're choosing to use a, an operating system that doesn't have a company like Apple behind it? Uh, no, if I was worried about being left behind, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have been a Linux user in 1999. I wouldn't be one now. <laughs> it's, uh, being left behind has become a choice a life choice at this point <laughs> i was gonna say i mean i mean we're, we're all what 20 years in at this point <laughs> right I've, I've, i feel like i've made my peace with the idea that we're not cutting edge at things um and i never have been um bleeding edge of hardware stuff anyway i mean i'm sitting here on a machine i bought in 2014 you buy like a incredibly what? hardcore machine every four or five years. Yeah, right? my, like, um, that's th- how you th- do th- it. This this machine, I'll I'll, I'll look it up. Um, I ha- I have added new hard drives to it, and I've changed nothing else. And I bought it Mar- March the first, twenty fourteen. I got this machine. Uh, it's got it's still got the same sixteen gigs of RAM that I put in it on the day. So it was pretty. St- it was pretty studly. Was it like it was- a Celeron. What? Wow. It's, it's got a Cyrix processor in it. It's not. It's still Shut uses up. a PC with a turbo button. I would not have guessed that. I, it's, it's <laughs> he an, does have a Matt's co-processor. It's it, an Intel Core i five. So shut up. <laughs> the, the DX two. That's great. It's just. <laughs> You know, but here's the key important point. How many ISA slots does it have? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at no point have I gone, oh, my computer seems to have stopped working for no actual reason. Suppose I'd better spend another two and a half thousand dollars on a laptop. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, right. You know, so, yeah. so, so this is, I mean, great. It's And because it's Apple... Those amazing changes won't filter out to anybody else for ages. That the thing which disappoints me, uh, and uh, this little story turns into a dig at Google at the end. So hooray! Is that <laughs> some considerable years ago, I wrote a thing complaining that there, sh- there should be ARM laptops. Right? I liked the Acorn A4, which was an ARM laptop in like nineteen ninety three. <laughs> and then and and then when arm became a thing all the arm laptops you could get were rubbish they were either chromebooks or they were stupid little netbooks or something and none of the big chip manufacturers none of the big um pc manufacturers seemed to want to bring out a decent arm laptop and i said at the time i suppose what we need is for apple to bring out an arm laptop and then everyone else to go oh yeah we were doing arm laptops all along here's our arm laptop because they're all too chicken shit to actually do something unless apple does it first this whole not the first but first to be second thing that dell and lenovo and whatever have gone they won't take any actual risks but when apple do something they all jump on the damn bandwagon it's really annoying the problem right. is that I went looking for that when the M1 was announced, um, but I couldn't find it because I wrote it on Google Plus, and so it's gone away. (laughs) 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 So basically, I hate technology is my conclusion to this. (laughs) So I do have a somewhat somewhat tangentially related question that I'm curious uh, if either of you have seen this and what both of your opinions are. There, There seems to be a group being put together that are saying, it would be great if we could take advantage of this hardware as Linux users. Uh, they're doing like a Kickstarter type thing to fund someone doing a full complete port where everything works and everything will be great. And a whole other segment of people are saying, don't enable Apple to don't enable Apple to take money from a bunch of people who like open source to run Linux on their hardware. Yeah. Where do you fall on that? Would it be nice to run Linux on these? Is it worth paying someone to port Linux to these or should 
no one who's interested in open source partake in the Apple hardware what's side the, of the what's, ecosystem. Sorry, what was the argument against from the, the, the these people? They're saying that you shouldn't do it because that Apple are allowing silicon. Apple to have their walled garden, but also enjoy enthusiasts' uh, appeal. It, it, essentially, um, if you buy um, hardware that not just that doesn't happen to have Linux on it, but explicitly doesn't support Linux, then what happens is Apple get all the money and don't even have to support you as a customer. <laughs> it's you know we're 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 not we're, we're encouraging them to keep doing. So they're this. Ba- I think the point was they're basically offloading engineering work to yeah. enthusiasts, and they're the one of the largest companies on earth. I am still firmly of the opinion that any time someone shows up and says I've tried running Linux on this piece of hardware and it doesn't work, and my question is where'd you get the hardware? And they said, well, I went and bought a Windows computer and then installed Linux myself. My answer is don't do that. Right, if you um, so you're basically system seventy six or bust mentality. Yeah, go and buy stuff with Linux on it. If you're not buying stuff with Linux on the it, look, the look on Jono's face leads me to believe he does not subscribe if, to this if, theory. If you're not, if you're not, <laughs> buy, if you're not buying stuff with Linux on it, then don't come complaining. Oh, but my hardware doesn't work. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to because we're never going to fix anything ever nothing's ever going to get any better if we just encourage dell or lenovo or whatever to think we don't have to support linux users because we'll just put out whatever damn laptop we want and then it's their job to support it no fuck that is what i think my my (laughs) take on this is the only thing that's going to get apple to support linux on their chips is going to be if (laughs) there is a large potential market of people who will pay for it and I think the reason why a lot of companies will not natively support Linux or open source on their hardware is because they haven't de- determined that there is a market or it's a market that they're uninterested in. So my basic view here is live and let live. Like if you want to go and buy a, a new Mac with an M1 processor in it and port Linux to it, who the hell am I to tell you you can't do that and you shouldn't do that? Why would I guilt trip you into that? But also I agree with you, Ak, that at the end of the day, the only way in which a market will form is if people can experiment and build new hardware and find new markets and people go and buy it and they like it. So my, I, I'm, a, I'm essentially a libertarian in this regard, like live and let live. Like as long as you're not hurting anybody else, I don't really have any issue with it. This notion that um, that um, this small group of people porting Linux to an M1, we shouldn't give Apple the money. Like that's going to make any difference to Apple whatsoever in terms of how much money they're making. I think it's it's so minuscule that it doesn't, it's not a valid argument in my point, in my perspective. But, you know, I still think that if you're going to, to your point, Ak, if, put, put it this way. If I was going to go and buy a Linux laptop, I would want to buy one from a company that explicitly builds it for Linux. I'd buy it from System76 or someone like that. Yeah, or from Edge, well, whoever. Yeah, the, the, yeah, point, the yeah. point is, ideally, don't buy one which just comes with Windows on it and where the company have no intention of supporting you. And especially don't buy an Apple laptop if that's your goal. <laughs> I I, I I believe it was the uh, Ubuntu podcast we're talking about this, and they said maybe this chap has bit off a bit more than he can chew, which I think is right. probably right, especially since Apple are not just uncooperative to people who want to work out how their hardware works, but actively hostile to it. Well, the thing is, as well, as these things are not mutually exclusive, right? You can be a person who wants to um, get Linux up and running on on like if you you want to use linux but also you want a beautiful piece of hardware like i gotta say it like the macbook pro that i've got it is the most beautiful piece of hardware i've ever used it is so perfectly built and i don't think that is a 
that's not a unique perspective from somebody who wants software. Absolutely. I mean, wanting beautiful hardware is an absolutely correct thing to want. But then the right. answer to that is for someone else to make beautiful hardware. I mean, this is what System76 are trying to do by setting up their own build plant or whatever. It's what, um, I mean, in theory, it's what HP are trying to do with the Spectres, but they don't run Linux either. Um, stuff like that, right? Um, the well, answer- Apple, Apple doesn't have a, have a monopoly on great design. The reason why they've done it so well is because they're good at it. Yeah, no, I agree, but that's the point. Why isn't everyone else as good at it? They seem to have a near monopoly on getting supply chains correct. But that is true. That That is definitely I think, true. I think they might have a monopoly on caring about getting their supply chains correct. <laughs> I think everyone else likes the idea of it. They're just not paid to put the effort in that Apple are because Apple recognizes that this stuff's really important. Right. And everyone else seems to think that... Um, Equipment just distills out of the air when they need it, or something. I don't. I don't really get it. But Apple genuinely do care about that. And I, I get the impression that that part of the challenge here is, I think, with some companies, they know that design's important, but they can always find a way to cut corners with design and focus yeah. on other things that are more predictably going to deliver them a return. Because have you noticed that every so often you'll get a bit of hardware from a company that will sub- like the classic example here is the Nokia N9. Yeah, remember when that came out? Everyone's yeah. like, "Fuck me, this is." beautiful yeah and it was so surprising um but i i think most like I, system 76 i don't know carl's view on this but i'm sure that his view is honestly in terms of building a business and moving the needle i'd much rather build be able to put more models out there than hire a designer and build all of this custom hardware all this custom molding to be able to deliver something that a fraction of my audience are going yeah. to care about you and, know? and and but but that's fine yeah i mean if a fraction of your audience care about design then fine every one of them people is going to go and buy a mac at which point you've lost them as linux customers entirely um so if you uh, if the answer is if you want to grow the use of linux then you um then your choice is either to do good design or to deliberately write off people who care about good design and they're your only choices i think i would i I would just like someone to take the care about good design side (laughs) i think the challenge here with linux particularly is the people who are going to primarily care about good design are going to be people who want linux on the desktop and unfortunately as we've attested for many years, that is not a market of people that is A, big enough, and B, spends money, enough money to be able to support yeah. a lot of companies, unfortunately. So I think that's the sad reality is, therefore, you get a lot of ugly Linux hardware because it's primarily designed for sysadmins who or uh, cloud practitioners who don't give a shit about good design or not as much of a shit about good design. So yeah. like, whereas every single Apple user cares deeply about how the, how they're their device looks because it's a it's a fashion statement right so yeah it's it's, it's all for, it, it's all it's all very disappointing to me right next, it is extremely next, disappointing <laughs> next next item yeah what, what do we what should we do next well i mean um uh you pick one mr language well uh, since, since we were talking about apple we'll continue to talk about apple a bit because now um jono makes us have at least two apple items in every show it's, <laughs> it, it's in contract um uh did you see um they've decided to fork out 113 million dollars because of the um, we're slowing down your iPhones thing, which I didn't say this. What so? What happened here? Can you explain it? Well, um, when uh, they brought out, I believe it was iOS seven, um, the older phones 
Um, no, it was no, it was after the iPhone six. Sorry, they bought the iPhone seven. Um, the version of iOS that shipped to every phone because Apple are relatively good at shipping new versions of iOS to existing phones. It deliberately throttled on older phones. Um, it deliberately slowed down, and Apple said uh, it's because you know the batteries are getting a bit older. And we need to preserve the battery, and literally everyone else on Earth said you've deliberately made everyone's phones crap, so they go and buy a new iPhone. That's not allowed. And Apple went, no, 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 no it's not what we did. Didn't do that. Um, and now they've just paid one hundred and thirteen million dollars because they did. <laughs> um, did they admit? Did they admit to doing this? Do you know? Yeah, they've they've settled. Uh, they did. They did do a public apology um, at the time. I mean, but th- th- I think the point here is, for, from my point of view, this is semi-interesting that this has happened now. But it's years later. You know, um, it, it, right. it, it's another demonstration that this sort of case ties up a shed load of people for years and years and years, and by the time it actually comes to fruition. The problem is either the problem's obsolete. It doesn't matter because you've you've either lost already or you've won already and moved on. You know, I don't know. So what, what do you so, think? So was that was the argument here that they're slowing down the battery? It looks like from the article that they're slowing down the battery, um, but they don't provide an alternative for you to go out and replace the battery because you can't so i think that's where they got into trouble is what they did actually makes sense from a how batteries naturally degrade perspective like their their solution from a technical perspective actually was was quite spot on it's that they knew they also had a little bit of a battery degradation problem denied it and then actively discouraged battery replacements i think is what really led to them getting sued if they would have just said yeah a batch of our batteries did not degrade in a way that we thought that they would and will happily replace them, then they would not have spent $113 million I, on batteries. I, I, and, I, and I think that's the thing. I mm. can absolutely see if we were running Apple internally, right? We'd have probably made Lol. the same. We, we, first of all, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. And I would love to see a world in which that <laughs> was the case. <laughs> so but, amazing. Yeah. But I can see us making exactly the same decisions they did. You know, and like you say, Jeremy, it was actually a pretty good technical solution. But because they're Apple and aren't transparent about anything and don't like admitting fault about anything and double down on it, look at, remember the, you're holding it wrong thing. <laughs> they do have um, a lot of gates, battery gate, antenna yeah, gate. Yeah, exactly. Um, their, their, their behavior may not be that of a company who are intentionally buggering up existing stuff to make you buy their new shiny thing, but it's indistinguishable from a company who is doing that. And people yeah. are inclined to think the worst of them because they won't tell you about anything. So this is something <laughs> I thought would actually change a little bit under Cook, is I get Jobs was how he was, and the company was not going to change under his stewardship because that's yeah. how he wanted things. I thought Tim Cook would soften that a little, and, and from no, what mate. I can tell, has not. <laughs> no. Not one, not one iota. <laughs> this is complete and utter speculation. I'm. I have no, literally Says no new idea. Apple but... fan Jonathan Edward James Bacon. <laughs> right. It's a speculation would... that we we actually are going to be appointed to run Apple. We're the new, <laughs> we're the new Johnny Ive. That's going to be the prediction show. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, no, I. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the if the if the culture internally at Apple when it comes to outbound messaging and. Dealing with these kinds of situations, if they are 
unbelievably conservative about everything and everything has to go through reams and reams of reviews and approvals and this that and the other and that they're very very nervous about ever just you know um kind of rubbing people up the wrong way so what would probably it wouldn't surprise me if there are people internally at apple who are saying like we really should be disclosing some of this stuff yeah. and that there's some overzealous marketing group there that that it maybe doesn't even get up to Tim Cook, that it just gets instantly shut down because it's seen as too much of a risk. Like they just seem they seem to be so old school in that regard. And I get it because they've got this big global brand that people need to care of, but that can be really constricting. So yeah, you walk you walk in the front door and it says above the door, the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, I there. By the way, you know when we did the last show and you act was saying, you'll just discover these annoying little things, uh-huh. and you'll be wondering. Here, here it comes, listeners. I began said things. <laughs> I began discovering some of these things. <laughs> what, have you, what have you discovered? I mean, I- I'm I'm here to reiterate that the Pixel Five still dope. <laughs> um, it, 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 they have indeed made mediocrity acceptable again. Um. What 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 sort what sort of thing? Have you, I mean, they're, they're little uh, little annoyances, little niggles, and they'll build up over time. And the next t- two or three years, from now you'll think, man, there's so many little things. But you might stick with it and buy an, uh, an iPhone 13 or an iPhone 14 or whatever. At some point, it will tip over and you'll switch back, and then you'll be like, wow, this is so ugly, I can't believe it. But I could do this thing that I need to do. <laughs> right. Welcome, welcome to mean, life it, switching, it, my friend. Think different is what you need to do. It, it's, it's, t- it's tiny little things like, for example, I can't connect to an external – like with my Android phone, if I was connected if, – if I have my Bluetooth on, right, and I'm near a speaker, it'll connect to the speaker and then I can cast my audio to it, right? I was listening to some music the other day. I wanted to put it on the speaker. And in in the, with the iPhone, you've got to go into Bluetooth, reconnect to the speaker, and then do that. Tiny yeah. little thing. Stupid. Another example which really annoyed me was in the Twitter app for and I don't this maybe this is Twitter, maybe this isn't Apple, but in the Twitter app on the iPhone, there's no enter key. So I I sometimes <laughs> will write a tweet and there'll be a line and there'll be a gap between that line and the next line. I and you usually use the enter key. You've got to click the number button to display the enter key. I was like, why isn't this displayed? Uh, can't you Stupid. can't you long press on the go or tweet button or whatever it is? Maybe. There, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of interestingly hidden stuff in actually both the Apple and the Android. Increasingly on Android as well, yeah. You know about you can um, you can scroll things on Android by moving your thumb on the space bar, right? Stuff like that. Right, right, right. And there's a bunch of little things like that in both keyboards, which I suppose are power user features. I mean... Uh, I, I find it weird describing this as a power user feature rather than the ability to recompile a kernel module or something. But fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so there is. So it's worth looking into that if you start getting. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, like, I mean, you've only had it for two weeks, right? But yeah, and it's fine. I mean, it's but yeah, I just I now each of these things happening. It's not just me noticing the little thing. Now I've got the booming voice of Stuart Langridge. <laughs> it is funny how he narrating said it in very next show. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Remember um, way back when you said I a mean, thing. I already have. On, honestly, it's not even the annoying things that bother me. Uh, I can I can name a hundred annoying things with my current phone. It's that not only they're annoying things, but they seem really arbitrary, and you're not allowed to fix them. It's not like you can install an app which manages the Bluetooth connection for you and just tick a box in it somewhere which says, "Yeah, always connect to a Bluetooth speaker when I'm near it." I don't care if you think it's a bad idea. 
Apple just like, yep. you never need to do that. If you think you need to do that, you're wrong about that. <laughs> it's. It, I'll give you. I'll give you one more, and that's that. Um, I wanted to. Um, so it seems like it keeps forgetting my Apple account, right? Yep. Which you need to do to like install apps and whatever else. And the way, the way that you you verify your account. So I add my username, my username and password, like normal, or email address and yep. password, and then it says. Type in your um, your ID for your phone. Fair enough. And then it says, now type in your ID on your iPad, which is connected to the same account, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever. Ordinarily, it would pop up a little thing on my Mac that would show the code that you typed yeah. in, but it decided this time it wasn't going to do it. The challenge is that the code on my iPad is the same as the code on my iPhone, and it doesn't allow it because it keeps saying, that's the same code that you've just typed in. <laughs> Okay. I mean, on your Bluetooth thing, just a question for you. Um, do you find that when you want to connect your iPods to your iPhone, your uh, your AirPods or whatever they're called, AirPods? Right. Um, your, AirPods. App, your Apple-provided yeah. earphones, when you need to connect them to your phone, do you have to go into Bluetooth to turn them on? Uh, I honestly haven't used these with my phone yet. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be interested to know whether um, it doesn't work for all things or whether it doesn't work for things that aren't made by Apple. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I got distracted for a moment because my alarm went off, indicating <laughs> me that this PlayStation Five's in stock. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it, it is time to end the show. I, I was going to say, I, I did learn that today that Stuart is not annoyed by annoying things, which is quite the quote. Uh, also, in defense of my Pixel Five, what I meant to say when I said the, the mediocre thing is they made mediocre hardware interesting. Yes, now which 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 is a good point. So do we want to do one more quick one while we're talking about Google? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Go on. So did did you see this uh, Google's operating system, also known as Fuchsia? They've actually pub- gone on the record. It was like the worst kept secret in technology, I think. Yeah. But, so Fuchsia is a long term project to create a general purpose open source operating system. And today we are expanding Fuchsia's open source model to welcome contributions from the public. So not only are they acknowledging that Fuchsia is a thing, I've heard it internally called like the principal software development retention tool or something like that. Yeah. Um, but so they've, they've released it. It's open source, uh, which it always was. It was, it was released about a year ago. They just didn't really acknowledge yeah. it. I, I'm curious on your take. This is the Seems to be the Jeremy is interested in Stuart and Jono's take on Linux e distribution type things. Is, <laughs> is there uh, is another quote open source general purpose operating system something that that we need? Do you think there's going to be a specific niche they target? Are they looking to replace Linux? Um, you know, is this interesting to you in 2020? And what do you think? It's where, I, where's it going? Um. Uh, first of all, again, this was announced today, which was disappointing yes. because um, what I wanted to do, but I didn't have time in the four hours in between it being announced and this show being recorded, was go back and find all the times in the past where people said, Google, you're making an operating system. And they went, huh? And they said, Google, you're making an operating system. And they went, huh? I said, you're making an operating system. And they went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? And just string them all together into one big long thing and then release it as a show. Because yes, as you say... Everyone knew this. I'm not, and I want to know whether they actually denied it or just went. Sorry, we can't hear you. Every time someone asked the question, um, I. It's surely going to be to um, Google what um, uh, MacOS is to Apple, right? But for it, Android, for Chrome OS, for. Like, I'm assuming you're talking about the 9 to 10 
OSX migration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, I think so. You know, I mean, all, 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 their, all their stuff is currently built on Linux. Um, they, I can't think that they'd want to try and replace Linux on all of their servers because that's a gargantuan project. Um, because I mean, if they turn this into the image that runs in Kubernetes, not really, but or oh, well, Borg I mean, internally, but still, no, 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 no that that that's fair. Comment. I mean, it, I, it seems like whenever I've seen Fuchsia mentioned, it's it seems like it's always talked about within the context of mobile phones. Um, um, the, the way the way they describe it is, uh, it's the power production devices and products used for business critical applications, which is right. not phones right but whenever i've seen it talked about in this period of it not being officially recognized the area 54 of uh <laughs> of, of operating systems um it seems to be people like showing demos on you know google pixel tablets and whatever else the thing i think is interesting about this is presuming for a moment that they are going to be using this for android or to replace android at some point the Android ecosystem, the only reason why it exists, the only reason why it is there is because companies like Samsung can release products with an operating system that's already well-known and well-recognized and well-supported. Yeah. So if Google, given the fact that, you know, I think we'd all agree that they've done okay with their phones, like the Pixel phones are nice phones, but they're they're not as popular as they should be. Um, if they start going for Fuchsia and they don't license it in a similar kind of way, then they're going to kill that whole Android ecosystem, and then the, the, it really does run the risk of actually forking Android into something else. But I think Axe's point was that like Android 18 is just Fuchsia under the hood, not Linux, and everything else. You don't notice the difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I think the first place you'll see this will be, well, so you won't see it, because it'll be the thing which runs Google Homes and Chromecasts and things like that, where you never, yeah, get, to see, where you never get to see an operating system anyway. Um uh, and then maybe they'll rebase Android on it. Maybe they'll rebase Chrome OS on it. Um, I mean, maybe not Chrome OS because if they were going to do that, I can't think why they've gone to all, to all the not all that useful effort to make it run Linux apps, Linux desktop apps, because that suggests that they've gone, okay, there's a space for desktop apps on this. We're not in a position to provide all those desktop apps for it. So we'll take the not very good, but at least they exist source of Linux desktop apps that already exist. And that problem only gets worse if you want future desktop apps because there are naught of them. Even well, the things, even, yeah. the thing, even, even there will be things like Flutter in it. Unless Flutter takes off dramatically, they're not going to be in a position to say, we'll take every existing Flutter app and just put dash dash fuchsia on the end of it and then it works on fuchsia. Da-da! Which I'm sure is the plan. Right. But there's going to be, you know, 12. Unless it becomes hugely more popular for some reason. Who knows? And also, let's be honest, this is Google, which is well known for starting things and then shutting them down shortly after that. Well, so, although, although that is does tend to, tend to be consumer-facing stuff. So, But that's a really interesting question. If Fuchsia is basically for internal Google use, so it's primarily for running on made-by-Google devices, um, and maybe eventually they move Android to it or whatever, Um They've got to have a harder time getting other people, third parties, on board because any third party has got to be aware that a move to a different operating system is a really big commitment and Google just kill projects without selling you. 
Right. You yeah. know, I mean, would you, anyone moving to Future has got to be, you know, moving Future in a big way is betting their company on it. Supporting Future in a small way means Future never takes off if it's the fifth compile option. You know, so it's, you, you get a chicken and egg problem. But I can't see Google having the credibility to say, get on board with this because they kill products and everyone knows it. Although they do that with consumer-facing things, largely. In terms of their open-source projects, they seem to have actually had a pretty decent track record, I would argue. Mm. Maybe it's just different groups. I mean, Google's a big company, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah true. I, I, but I don't know. I mean, I, this I, is I a long-term thing. Oh, it's very long-term. I mean, how long have they been working on Fuchsia? I mean, we've been talking about it as long as Bad Voltage has been around, I think. Yeah, we've been talking about it it's for years. It's been a while. And they, and they must have been... It's not like they mentioned it the first time anyone came up with the idea. So you'd think it was probably two or three years before that, at least. So they could already be years and years and years and years into this, and they still haven't got this far. This is a super long-term project. Well, you know, the only solution to this is that we obviously need to go in and run Google as well. You know, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, we'll do Apple. Thursdays, Fridays, and the weekend, Google. No worries. Yeah, we can can split that. You are Jack Dorsey. I can promise you two <laughs> things under um, the bad voltage stewardship for these companies. First of all, you can connect to any damn Bluetooth speaker you like. And secondly, we wouldn't have shut down Google Reader. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, chaps, we should probably wrap it up. This has been not only a bumper show full of news, and we didn't get through half the news. <laughs> no, in, that was wildly notes. optimistic, the amount of news in that doc. We actually did like four news items. <laughs> well, we've also been talking for an hour and... 12 minutes or whatever so uh, probably well beyond time to wrap yes yes. so uh but as usual uh ladies and gentlemen of the internet go and share what you think in our slack community we always love to see there and and also brace yourself because prediction reviews are going to be coming in the next show as well yes so so, um uh, so we should say uh i want to say thank you to marius um yes yes, i was gonna say we should not forget to thank marius this time because last time our apologies (laughs) Marius. Yeah, well, yes, Marius does an amazing job with NerdZoom Media. He really does, uh, NerdZoom.de, which is really cool. So he'll be mixing this, and then the next show, which is coming out before Christmas, um, will be our review of last year's predictions. So keep your eye oh, out for God. that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you get a chance, pop into Slack and uh, review our last year's predictions for us. I'd be interested to see what how people think we did um, before we are do you, the are show. Are you trying to outsource the content creation I, I, of the next I, I, show I to I, our, I our community and listeners? Yeah, that's a, if someone wants to produce the document that I always have to do every year while I actually do all the research, that would be handy. It will be troll-a-lol if our community was to go <laughs> and review them. Well, so you know, our next it, episode it, it, is Go Read Slack. <laughs> that, that, that sounds fun but yes um, so next episode will be um, predictions and then it'll be Christmas um, so this has been Bad Voltage thank you very much take care everyone recording I like how for both of you, the concept that we're about to start recording is somehow a surprise. (laughs) Caught me completely off guard. Shut up. (laughs) One day I'll get used to this stuff.
Oh, it's me, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, yeah this <laughs> is the bit waiting. where the person who is meant to intro the show I'm, intros the show. I'm, leave that in, Marius. <laughs> don't, don't, don't leave that in, Marius. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, go on then. And then I thought, no, hang on. Funny, right. Jono and I were thinking that very same thing. Shut up, shut up. Right, shut up. right okay. So this is show 18, right? Um, <laughs>